let's dive into the word. We're going to pick up where we left off. This is week eight of our sermon series, Ghost Stories. And uh, last week, I introduced a thought about what it looks like to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. One more acknowledgement. One more acknowledgement. I got to do this. Uh, Tanisha, your mom is here. Is that right? So good to see you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, she just recently moved up from, from Houston. We're blessed to have you this morning. Honored, honored to have you. Uh, we've been in a series uh, called Ghost Stories, uh, where we're examining the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the early church, in the life of ordinary believers, and what that looks like for us today. Uh, that what we see in Scripture is not just reserved or relegated to the early church. What we see, the work of the Holy Spirit, in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, also belongs to us. And, and, and so we're going to pick up where we left off in Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 16. Uh, that'll be our anchor text. I'll begin reading at verse number 18. This is from the New Living Translation. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And we can stop right there and just go home. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. It begs the question this morning, who's really in control? Who's really in the driver's seat? I've driven down the road multiple times, not just here in Dallas, but around the country, and I've seen this bumper sticker that says, God's my co-pilot. And I always think to myself, if God's your co-pilot, you're in trouble, baby. If God's your wingman, instead of being in the driver's seat, there's a problem. No, no. Paul said, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Can I just say, I love that word let, though, Brooks. Because that word let infers permission. It infers authorization. Hmm? It infers the things that I allow to exist. Whatever I permit, whatever I authorize in my life, I allow it to exist. What you tolerate, you cannot change, so don't complain about what you allow. You let it exist. It exists in your life either by design, intentionality, or by default. You just let it happen. It's either what you created or what you allow. Either way, these things exist in your life and my life because I let it. And so Paul is saying to the church in Galatia, permit, allow, authorize. The Holy Spirit to guide your life. And I've even realized he ain't going to show up in a place where he ain't welcome. And until you let him, until you authorize him, until he permit him, you don't get to enjoy the benefits of living a spirit-led life. Because he's on the outside looking in. So Paul says, if we'll let him guide our lives, then we won't be doing what our sinful nature craves. 
The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly, if you're taking notes, underline, circle, highlight that. They are constantly fighting each other. That means that there is an ongoing war that exists in you. Fighting for your attention. Fighting for your affection. And it says it happens constantly. Not every now and then. All the time. And it says they are constantly at war against it, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. You know what that means? It means that you mean well. You want to do what's right. But every single day you live with this cognitive dissonance. You know the right thing to do, but you struggle to do it. And that's why Paul, talking about this cognitive dissonance, says, the good I want to do, I don't do. The evil I don't want to do, I find myself doing. He says it's an ongoing, constant battle that sometimes keeps us from carrying out our good intentions. But notice what it says. There's good news in verse 18. There's really good news in verse 18. It says, but when you are directed by the Spirit, when you give Holy Spirit permission, when you authorize him and allow him to guide your life, your thoughts, your actions, and your decisions, it says you're no longer under obligation to the law. Now, why is that important to us? Paul is highlighting the importance of one word, and that is choice. Or we might say choices. And what Paul is saying is, Holy Spirit will give you the power, the ability to make better choices that produce better outcomes. You've heard me define wisdom not simply as the ability to choose between right and wrong, but more importantly, the wisdom of God will allow you to make finer distinctions between what is good and what is best. Ooh, y'all missed that. For some of us, our struggle isn't necessarily choosing between right and wrong. Sometimes our struggle is choosing between what's just good and God's best. That's the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God will allow you to make finer distinctions between what is good and what is best. And just in case, it's not, oh, Pastor Ray, I made good choices. Can I, let me just put this in context. Let me just put this in perspective to help us understand how important choices are and how choices impact our lives every, not just every day, just about every moment of every day even when the choices are subconscious. Y'all ready about this? According to Psychology Today, which is a leading psychology publication, the average person makes an average 
of 35,000 choices per day. Assuming that most people spend around seven hours per day sleeping, okay? If you spend about seven hours, eight hours a day sleeping, when you're awake, the 16 or 17 hours that you're awake, you are making approximately 35,000 decisions and choices. Uh, it, it goes on. Uh, that makes roughly 2,000 decisions per hour or one decision every two seconds. I go back to Timothy's story. Those were split-second decisions. It was one of the 2,000 decisions he made that hour that morning. I don't know if it was 6 a.m. or 7 a.m., but in that moment, he made 2,000 decisions, and one of them was to show up in the house of God. Yeah. I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. Why is that important? It, it, it's important because Jesus understands the tension, the tension between our carnal nature, what our flesh wants to do, and our spirit man, what God wants to do, and he has made provision for us to be victorious in this life through the power of the Holy Spirit. What that means is God recognizing that the 16 or 17 hours when we're awake, we're going to be making 35,000 decisions. He's like, baby, you need some help. And he gives us the helper. He gives us paraclete or paracletos, the helper. The sevenfold ministry and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to be our helper, to be our comforter, to be our counselor, to be our advocate, to be our intercessor, to be our standby and our strengthener. And God says, you and I, by virtue of the new birth, have this help resident on the inside of us. But how many times have we denied him authorization to help us in our 35,000 decisions we make every single day. I understand what I'm saying? It's a big deal because we don't even realize how big those split-second decisions are when we allow our flesh to guide us versus allowing the Spirit of God to guide us. Split-second. Split-second decision can alter permanently or significantly the trajectory of your life. It's David standing on the balcony, uh -uh, not even on the balcony. It's David. The scripture saying that in the times kings go to war, David decided to stay home. One decision out of 35,000. Go to war, nah, I'm tired, I'm staying home. That one decision led to one night standing on his balcony and David seeing Bathsheba bathing. If David had made the right first decision, if he had authorized the Holy Spirit to guide his decision, he would have been on the battlefield where he should have been instead of on his balcony. Yeah. Yeah. In that split second, he sees Bathsheba bathing. He has another choice. Knowing that Bathsheba is the wife of his secret service detail. 
one of members of the secret service, Uriah, a guy who protected him, knowing that that's Bathsheba? And Uriah is a guy who has made covenant to protect me? He had another decision to turn away. Somebody say choices. He had 35,000 choices. But because he didn't go to the battlefield, he was on his balcony and he saw Bathsheba. Come on, somebody. Y'all see the alliteration? BBB? <laughs> Battlefield, balcony, Bathsheba. Do you realize that one choice you make has a ripple effect in your life? And should I continue with David's story? He has this one night stand with Bathsheba. And she's get, she gets pregnant. David, in order to cover up one bad decision that led to another bad decision, said, you know what, uh, this is a problem because Uriah came back from the battlefield and he wasn't intimate with his wife. So this baby ain't his. So guess what I'm going to do? How many of you realize that sometimes the cover-up is worse than the crime? Yeah. To cover up the stink, he's got to kill Uriah. I'm talking about choices. Split-second decisions that now have a ripple effect. And you're making 35,000 of them every day. And we're not even stopping to say, Lord, in all my ways, I'll acknowledge you. And you will direct my path. Proverbs 3. Verses 5 and 6. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes we wonder, why is this in my life? Listen, if you, if you retrace your steps, if you retrace your steps, it will go back to one frivolous decision. For David, it was like, I ain't going to fight no more. I'm tired. And Bible scholars suggest that David was in his 50th year when this happened. Talk about the restlessness that some men feel trying to figure out if he still got it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Listen, all the action David wanted was on the battlefield that he avoided. And then we start to look for substitutes. Your conquest is on the battlefield, David, not in Uriah's house. Here it is. I read this morning prayer <laughs> several years ago, and I love it. It says, Dear Lord, so far, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy. I haven't been grumpy. I haven't been nasty. I haven't been selfish or overindulgent. And I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm about to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm going to need a whole lot of help. How many of you can identify with that? Come on, somebody. The moment you get out of bed, choices. Even before you get out of bed, there's a choice. 
to get up or hit the snooze button one more time. Jesus understands the tension between our carnal nature and our spirit man and has made provision for us to be victorious in this life through the power of the Holy Spirit where we invite him into our 35,000 decisions a day, our 2,000 decisions an hour, our one decision every two seconds. Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this one decision I'm about to make over the next two seconds. Yeah, it happens that fast. So John chapter 16 and verse 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And you've heard me say this before, that Malcolm Gladwell uh, infers that success, not just in business but in life, is a series of accumulated advantages. A series of accumulated advantages. That means you want to accumulate as many advantages in your life as you can because each advantage moves you closer to success. And the greatest advantage that we have as Christ followers is the help of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, I've seen it, I've tested it, I've tried it beyond your education, beyond your network and your relationships. Hmm? Beyond your upbringing and your pedigree, the greatest advantage you have in life is God in you. Yeah. The one, the greater one who lives in you who is greater than the world. He is greater than everything in the world, and he lives in you. <laughs> so Paul says, this is what Paul says, uh, I got to read this to y'all. I'm going to back, back this thing up a little bit, and we're going to bring this thing in for a landing. Um, uh, to the production team, I know we're supposed to start at verse 22. Uh, if you can, back it up to verse 17. Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17, or verse 16. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. Paul, again, addresses this tension that we live in between... What God wants and what our flesh wants. And he says in verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. I'm reading from the New King James. Verse 18 says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, he gives us this short list. <laughs> Just in case you are wondering, if you ever had a question about whether your outcomes in life were the result of being under the influence of the Spirit of God or the influence of the flesh, he gives us this shortness. He helps us out. Are you with me? Yeah. He, 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 it's almost like he gives us this test, but he gives us all the answers and says, just in case you are wondering. You know how they do uh, when they pull you over? Oh, let me put it, uh, when they used to pull you over, back in the day, y'all know I call it the BC days before Christ, and when you had to do the sobriety test, they would test for certain things, and certain things that they tested for would determine whether you were under the influence. Can you walk in a straight line? Can you count backwards? Can you touch the, hold on, have I? 
Yeah, man, it's all like I'm familiar with the protocol. What's going on here? Did I just have a flashback? Paul has given us a sobriety test in Galatians chapter 5. And he says, listen, you can be under the influence of the spirit or you can be under the influence of the flesh. So he gives us a short list that helps us identify those moments, those split-second decisions, the 35,000 decisions that determine whether we're under the influence of the Holy Spirit or under the flesh. Y'all ready for this? Yeah. Uh, and notice what it says. Verse 19, Galatians 5:19. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident. I like that word. One translation says obvious. You ain't even got to guess. You can know when you walk it in the flesh. It's evident and it's obvious. Let's take the guesswork out. You and I both know when we trip it. It's obvious and it's evident. Oh, pump the brakes now. Some of us, though, we got blind spots. We've been living that way so long that we've normalized our dysfunction. And a blind spot, a blind spot, is what is when 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 uh, when you are oblivious to what is obvious to everybody else. Let me say that again. You know you have a blind spot when you are oblivious to what is obvious to everyone else. So there are some people, honestly and truly, have lived that way so long, have normalized their dysfunction so long. That is no longer obvious to them. But it's obvious to everybody else. And so Paul says the works of the flesh are evident, they are obvious. Here it is. <clears throat> Which are? Woo, come on. He got the, he started this. <laughs> Paul came in hot. <laughs> Pulled no punches. And these are the ones we as pastors we like, right? <laughs> Adultery. You know what adultery is? Adultery is when you're down with OPP. There is something about other people's property that fascinates you. Y'all laughing. <laughs> I gotta make it play. Number two, he said fornication. He said, you steady giving up the goods, and he ain't put a ring on it. Come on, Beyonce. Come on, I'm translating the Bible into where we live right now. Ooh. Ooh. Here it is. Uncleanness. Lewdness. But then it's almost like halfway through the list, he kind of flips the script up. Because it said one of the, 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 the evidences that you're un walking in the flesh is idolatry. He said, oh, Pastor, I ain't got nothing in my, I don't bow down to no carved images. No, 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 no. We all got idols. An idol is anything you put before God. Anything you choose before and above God. 
Could be the house you live in. Could be the car you drive. It could be the thing that God says, give up, that you choose to hold on to. Sorcery, witchcraft. Well, here it is, though. Here it is, though. Y'all ready for this? Because he done changed the list. Because we easy now. Say, well, I don't fornicate. I don't commit adultery. What about hatred? He ain't, he ain't talking about the flesh now. He's talking about your heart. He's talking about the wickedness in your heart. Yeah, you got self-control when it comes to other people's property. <laughs> yeah, you ain't giving up the goods without a ring on it. But, man, the hatred in your heart. The hate that you give. Come on. Oh, you under you're not under the let me put it this way. God ain't leading you. You have restricted access to the Holy Spirit in that area of your life because you have hatred towards somebody else. And you're not under the influence. Here it is. He goes on contentions. Contentions. You know what he's on? You just messy. Everywhere you go. Some got to jump off. And the only common denominator is you. Everywhere you go, contentions. Stuff just tight. People just mad at each other. Because you, you just... You're not under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Oh, here's another one. It ain't adultery. It ain't fornication. But jealousy. Burst of wrath. Some of us just need six months of anger management. If you got anger issues, may I submit to you that you have not given Holy Spirit access. It ain't fornication. It ain't adultery. But it is your flesh. Outburst of look, look, selfish ambitions. Where you do anything and everything to be at the top. You don't care who you run over. You don't care who you stab in the back. You don't care who you lie on. You don't care who you manipulate. Selfish ambition. You're motivated by self-aggrandizement. Holy Spirit ain't leading you. You're under the influence of something else. Third thing, dissensions. Heresies. Here again. The list so long, y'all. Envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and notice, and the like. Paul's like, I'm tired writing. <laughs> he said, yeah, all of that. Anything that looked like any of this. Huh? If it walked like a duck, put it on the list. I'm going to stop my list right here. And the like, of which I told you beforehand. Just as I told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Hmm? You don't experience God's results doing things your way. Well, God bless me. You don't get God's results doing things your way. Paul said, I told you before. I told you in times past, and I'm telling you again. All those who make these choices cannot. They forfeit the kingdom of God. Are y'all with me? Yeah. 
So, so if, if you find yourself anywhere on that list, it is possible that the reason you're not inheriting the kingdom of God is because you have denied the Holy Spirit access to these parts of the and because of that, you cannot inherit the fruit, the favor, and the blessing of the kingdom. Even though it's yours. Are you understand what I'm saying? Paul is saying, listen, you are forfeiting too much. You are forfeiting the kingdom. Because of your desire for instant gratification. So I promise you this is where I close. You all ready for this? Is that my first close? <laughs> Jesus. Let's make this the first and only close, Steve. Uh, how about that? We'll make it first and only. First and only one. Jesus. I, I got to go fast and furious. I got to go fast and furious. I'm going to let y'all go. I'm going to let y'all go. Y'all ready? Is this helping anybody yet? Yeah. Okay, good, 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 good. All right, so here it is. Uh, he gives us a list of what it looks like not to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now he gives us a list. He gives us nine things. And he says, if you can see the evidence of these nine things in your life, it's proof that you're spirit-led, that God is leading you. All right? So here it is. This is an opportunity for self-examination. <clears throat> so, so he starts in verse 22. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit. Come on, somebody. He said, when you walk into the Spirit, this is what your life looks like. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is first of all what? Love. Come on, somebody. Then joy. Then peace. Long-suffering. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Woo! Gentleness. Woo! Self-control. And against such, there is no law. Do you want to know if you're in the spirit or in the flesh? Look at your life. And if you see evidence of these nine things at work in your life, you know that you have given uh, the Spirit of God not just access, but you have given it authority. You all hear that? Not just access, authority. Not just access, decision-making authority in your life. And when he is making decisions in your life, he ain't going to tell you to keep a grudge. So if you insist on keeping a grudge and unforgiveness, you have moved over from the influence of the Holy Spirit to the influence of your carnal nature. And you're making 35,000 choices. And that one right there is a bad one. You are not under the influence of Holy Spirit. Because when I'm under the influence of the Holy Spirit, he will tell me to choose love. Are you understand what I'm saying? The moment you choose something other than love. Okay, so I gotta go fast and furious. <laughs> I'm talking about living a spirit-led life so that something felt. 
that we inherit the kingdom of God. Y'all ready? So I'm going to get a little bit of help. Uh, let, me, let me say it this way. Y'all ready for this? The Holy Spirit does nothing by accident. So when you look at the nine gifts of the Spirit, notice the two bookends on these nine gifts. Love, self-control. Y'all no, missed that. Holy Spirit didn't do this by accident. He said, love, self-control. Everything else is in between. Love teaches me how to interact with others. Self-control teaches me how to interact with myself. And if I get those two interactions right, joy, peace, goodness, faithfulness follow. Let me tell you part of the problem. Because we haven't learned the power of self-control, how to self-regulate, which is our relationship with ourselves. We are wrecking every other relationship we have and it has made love difficult. Y'all not listen to what I'm saying. If you and I will get self-control right, our ability to self-regulate our emotions, it will make love easier because love teaches me how to interact with others. Self-control teaches me how to interact with myself. And here's the problem. You know when you put books on the shelf and you ain't got no bookends? What happens to the books? And we're steady trying to do life, but the bookends are out. No self-control. And because we got no self-control, we have trouble loving people. And what you got is nine books you put on the shelf and they all fell over on the floor. So I'm going to get some help <clears throat> from Max Lucado on this as I close. Second close. <clears throat> I'm just going to read this. I'm going to try not to expound. Because if I expound, you know what? No, no, let's do this. We're already here, right? Somebody say, I'm here for all of this. Y'all know how y'all be doing. Yeah, yeah, y'all stay here for all of this because I'm about to wrap it up. Come on, ladies. Okay, let me wrap it up for real. Y'all ready? <clears throat> so I'm gonna read this. This was a daily devotional that Max Lucado, uh, again, one of the, the 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 most brilliant voices of our generation in the body of Christ, incredible pastor, author, writer. He wrote a blog. Actually, it was a daily devotional, and this was one of one of his blogs. <clears throat> And he writes, it's a new day. It's a new day. The choice is yours. And this is by Max Lucado. And he's writing about the fruit of the spirit. And he starts, it's quiet. It's early. My coffee is hot. The sky is still black. The world is still asleep. Woo. The next line is almost like he's dreading it. Because he says, the day is coming. It's one thing to be in your house when it's quiet and your coffee hot and the sky is still dark yeah. and the whole world is still asleep. 
But then you realize the day is coming. I'm about to get out of this house and deal with people. I'm about to have 35,000 choices. What will that look like? He says, in a few moments, the day will arise, or the day will arrive. Where am I? Ah, yeah, the day will arrive. It will roar down the track with the rising of the sun. The stillness of the dawn will be exchanged for the noise of the day. Look at the contrast. The calm of the solitude will be replaced by the pounding pace of the human race. Notice what he says next. The refuge of the early morning will be invaded by what? Decisions to be made and deadlines to be met. How many of you can relate to what Black's looking is? It's almost like, I wish I could just stay here. Everything, I ain't got to, but all of a sudden, when you get out that bed, now you got to make decisions. And now you got to meet deadlines. And the question is, what decisions will we make? Notice what he says, for the next 12 hours, I will be exposed to the day's demands. It is now that I must make a choice. And because of Calvary, I'm free to choose, and so I choose. He talks about these nine choices, the fruit of the Spirit. Notice what he says. He says, I choose love. Today I will love God and what God loves. Amen. No occasion justifies hatred. No injustice warrants bitterness. Yes. I wish I had time to just stay right there. Because when I choose love... There can be no simultaneous excuse or justification for hatred or bitterness. Yeah. That means love, hatred, and bitterness cannot coexist in the same heart yeah. simultaneously. Max Lucado said, I was fine until I woke up, and then I had to make this choice to love. Because now, I've got to confront hatred, and I've got to confront the bitterness that is so comfortable and easy to entertain in my heart. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? Number two. He says, I choose joy. He says, I will invite my God to be the God of every circumstance. Come on. Not just the good, but even the bad. God, you are God over all of it. I will refuse the temptation to be cynical. The tool of the lazy thinker. I will refuse to see people as anything less than human beings created by God. I will refuse to see any problem as anything less than an opportunity to see God. Oh God, I'm going to see you in this thing. As hard and as painful as it is, I'm going to see you in and through this thing. I choose joy. Number three, he says, I choose peace. I will live forgiven, and I will forgive so that I may live and live free. That's one of the 35,000 choices you and I must make every day. I choose peace, and I can't have peace if, first of all, I don't live forgiven. God, you've forgiven me of everything I've done. And if God's forgiven me of everything I've, I, that I've done, I have to be willing to forgive those 
who have done everything they have done to me so that I can live free. It's not only about God forgiving me. My peace also rests upon me forgiving them. Let me say that one more time for good measure. I think it's for somebody in this room. My peace, choosing peace today, is not only receiving God's forgiveness, God forgiving me for all I've done, but my peace also hinges on the fact that I am willing to forgive them for all they've done against me. Number four, I choose patience. I choose patience. I will overlook the inconveniences of this world. Instead of cursing the one who takes my place, I will invite him to do so. You know what peace does? Peace gives up your right to be right. Oh, you cut me off, man. Instead of being mad at that person, invite him to be Because peace is a choice. And most of us don't live in peace because we insist on our rights. And Lucado says, instead of cursing the one who takes your place, invite him to do so. And that's what Jesus was teaching about the extra mile. He said, if someone compels you to go the extra mile, if compels you to go one mile, go two. And the people who are listening to Jesus understood. Because in Bible times, under Roman occupation, Jews were required to carry the load of a Roman soldier one mile. If a Roman soldier was walking or marching by, he could take his load and give it to a Jew, and that Jew was required to carry his load one mile. Jesus said, don't just do what's required of you. Go the extra mile. Ain't nobody was saying, Greg. He says, on the first mile, it's about what they require of you. It's about what they make you. The second mile is your choice. The first mile, they're in control. The second mile, you're in control. The first mile is about the law and what the law requires. The second mile is about your choice to love. Even the ones that have misused you. So when Lucado says, instead of cursing them, for forcing you to go one mile with their load, invite them to do so. Rather than complain that the wait is too long, I will thank God for a moment to pray. Come on, somebody. Starbucks line. Ooh, why does line so long? Why you can't hire more people? No. The line long, I'm going to pray. Instead of clenching my fists at new assignments, I will face them with courage and joy. Kindness. I choose kindness. I will be kind to the poor, for they are alone. I will be kind to the rich, for they are afraid. Afraid that they might lose it all. Deion Sanders talks about having a big bed but not being able to sleep. Rich people problems. You got a big bed that you paid thousands of dollars for. 
and you don't even have enough peace to fall asleep in your big bed. I'll be kind to the rich, for they are afraid, and I'll be unkind, and kind to the unkind, for that is how God has treated me. I choose goodness. I will go without a dollar before I take a dishonest one. I will be overlooked before I boast. I will confess before I accuse. I choose faithfulness. Today I will keep my promises. My wife will not question my love. I was, I was on social media. I got to say this. And this pastor was doing the vows. And going through all the vows, I commit to do this. And right in the middle of the vows, this is what he said to the groom. I commit to give her access to my cell phone. So he just started laughing. No, and the pastor said, I commit to give her access to my cell phone. He wouldn't say it. And so the pastor said, I will say it for him. My wife will not question my love. And my children will never fear that their father will not come home. My debtors will not regret their trust. My associates will not question my word. I choose gentleness. Nothing, here it is, nothing is truly won by force. I choose to be gentle. If I raise my voice, may it only be in praise. If I clench my fist, may it only be in prayer. If I make a demand, may it only be of myself. Finally, I choose self-control. I choose self-control. Notice what he says. He says, after this body is dead, this body that we cater to, we paint it, we polish it, we put stuff on it. It says, after this body is dead, my spirit will soar. I refuse to let what will rot rule what is eternal. All of this is going to rot one day. But we've allowed it to ruin and run our lives. I choose self-control. I will be drunk only by joy. I will be impassioned only by my faith. I will be influenced only by God. I will be taught only by Christ. I choose self-control. If I succeed, I will give thanks. If I fail, I will seek his grace. And then when this day is done, I will place my head on my pillow and rest. I wonder if we have trouble resting because of the choices we made during the 16 or 17 hours we were awake. And because we didn't choose to be led by the Spirit when we put our head on our pillow, we have absolutely no rest because we're wrestling with the tension of choosing our flesh over choosing God. And we have no rest. Here it is. 24 hours, 1,440 minutes. This is me. This ain't Lucado. This is my stuff. Yeah, this is mine. 24 hours, 440 minutes. 86,000. 400 seconds. 
one day. Time is one of the very few things in life distributed equally to all men. Bill Gates gets 24. I get 24. Elon Musk gets 24. I get 24. Nobody gets 25 hours a day. Nobody gets 26. God levels the playing field every single day with a fresh 24. Now, Elon Musk and Bill Gates, they've made some good decisions so that their 24 hours yields a lot more than my 24 hours. But they made good choices. What you gonna do with your 24? Is the question. Time is one of the very few things in life distributed equally to all men, regardless of gender, regardless of religious affiliation, ethnicity, marital status, socioeconomic status. It is a non-renewable resource. When it's gone, it's gone. You ain't getting tomorrow back. When tomorrow goes, it is gone. Non-renewable resource. And therefore, it must be maximized, not squandered. In life, there are no timeouts. There are no instant replays. There's no overtime, but there is sudden death. Did y'all hear what I said? No timeouts. No replays. No overtime. But there is sudden death. So make your moments count. How do I do that? I choose wisely. Because life is filled with hard choices, so I choose my heart. I choose the right heart. Joshua said it this way. Last thing I'm going to say. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Make a choice. If serving God ain't your thing, don't straddle the fence. Don't, don't, don't be halfway about it. If it ain't cutting it for you, man, choose your other option. But notice what he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, seal this word in our hearts. Help us to recognize this day that we have 35,000 choices, some small, some big, 2,000 choices every hour. One choice every two seconds. Father, I pray today that we will choose you. We will choose your way, not our way. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you this morning, and say, God, I choose you. Maybe you've never had an opportunity to pray the prayer of salvation. You've never invited Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. You've done life on your own terms and you've never yielded or authorized the Holy Spirit to have his way in your life. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray for you so you can choose him. Slip up that hand if that's you. I see that hand. Thank you, Father. I see that hand. Thank you, Father. Is there anyone else this morning you say, you know what, Jesus, I choose you. Put down your hands. 
All together, we're going to pray this prayer with those two who prayed that prayer for the first time today, saying, I choose you, Jesus. All together in faith. Pray this after me. Dear God, I come to you now in Jesus' name. I acknowledge how much I need you. I thank you, Lord, that 2,000 years ago, you went to the cross and you died for my sins. And on the third day, you rose from the dead. Jesus, I thank you because of what you did. I can live free and I can live forgiven. I receive you now as my Lord, as my Savior. I thank you, Lord, that old things have passed away and everything has become new in Jesus name and everyone said amen and amen amen come on amen alright that's what we're going to do listen there were two individuals that prayed that prayer with us listen the scripture says that there's rejoicing in heaven over one over one that chooses Jesus. We have some resources that we want to put in your hands to help you jumpstart your relationship with God, a Bible and a book called uh, Fresh Start. Uh, so make sure after the service you come see me, we'll get those resources in your hands and I just want to talk to you one on one. If you would please stand, if you would please stand. Thank you Lord. So good to see everyone this morning. We need volunteers uh, for uh, the outreach, backpack outreach, uh, but on your way out you'll get a card that will give you more information about the Backpack Outreach. Also, information about Not In Our City, Not On Our Watch, which is a prayer campaign that's going to happen on Saturday. We're going to, there's about 125 plus schools in Frisco, Prosper, and McKinney. Uh, we're going to have different teams. We're going to pray over those schools so that our prayers are preemptive and proactive. We're going to be covering our students, our teachers, uh, administrative buildings as well. The information is on those cards. And thank you to all those who already signed up to volunteer for both events. We appreciate you in Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious, come on, gracious unto you. The Lord turn his countenance toward you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, and everyone say amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. by today's worship experience, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, 
we've got some information that we'd love to send you to help kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, please email us at echurch at weareconverged.com. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely by visiting www.weareconverged.com forward slash give. Or you can give via text by texting Converge Give along with the dollar amount that you'd like to donate to 77977. Also, you can find all this information on our mobile app. Simply search the app or the Play Store for Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.